0: All right, good morning, everybody. If you want to turn your Bibles to Psalms 4, is where we'll be. 4. We'll do 5 and 6 also, but that's our starting point. We'll pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning and the time we get to spend in it together. Uh, we spend time in your word all week long, but this time is a time when we can all come together and agree and uh, receive from you everything you have for us. So we pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and our guide, um, and, uh, and just would you bless us with truth with David's heart, um, with a song that he uh, needed to express. And then, Lord, help us to write our own songs. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I don't think David, David was a pretty prolific writer. He wrote a lot of songs. Um, and they're just poems that he writes down and puts them to music, I'm sure. And um, a little bit different than the way we write songs, I suppose, in America um, or what we're used to. Um, but they're just things from his heart, things that are going on in his life. And he felt, um, obviously, the best way is to express that through these songs, which makes him a very much a Renaissance man. I mean, in a lot of ways, he, he was very skilled um, on the harp. We know that. That's why he was first brought into um, Saul's uh, court. Um, he's very skilled with a slingshot, you know, uh, a sling, a, a warrior of warriors, um, then writes music and, and when he worships, he, he wears his ephod and dances before the Lord. I mean, uh, this is masculinity. If you didn't know what masculinity looks like, this is it. This is what a well-rounded person looks. I don't sing. I'm not a, you know, I'm a, I'm a man. No, that's not it. You know, maybe you're not comfortable singing. That's a different thing, but this is a well-rounded person um, who loves the Lord. And, so it's fun to read his things. It's, it's wonderful to get his heart on, on the matter um, and that we can do that too. It's, our, it's, a, it's a way for us to express and to get things out of our heart. It helps to write things down and to share them um, uh, with other people. Um, it's important. So as long as it's truth, you know, we don't want to write, write a bunch of drivel. I remember some of the poems I wrote in high school as an unsaved kid. Oh boy, I was wise. I was so wise as a 17 or 16 year old kid and shared my infinite wisdom with my parents. And they're like, nice, you know, terrible stuff. But uh, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, when you're trying to worship and you're a humble person, beauty comes from it. So our first Psalm here is Psalm 4. Um, It's to be played with stringed instruments, um, guitars, lutes, harps, whatever they had back then. I don't know exactly, probably more harp than guitar, but something similar to a guitar. I'm sure they had those. Um, but this is, this is that it's, uh, the safety of the faithful hear me when I call O God of my righteousness, you have relieved, or I'm sorry, you have, um, um, yeah, relieved me in my distress, have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long O you sons of men? Will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? Selah. So there's a pause, which is a good time to break. Um, David's heart here is, God, I want you to hear my prayer. And my prayer is this, how long are the sons of men going to try to turn my glory into shame? How long are they going to search um, and love for worthlessness? Um, we need to sometimes fill in the gaps on these Psalms. And so I'm, I'm kind of careful with that. And then again, I like to speculate too. So be, care- you know, be careful as you listen to me that, you know, come to your own conclusions as we get through the entire Psalm and read it in its context, I think it, it makes it clear. Um, the Bible warns about those that are backbiters, you know, people that speak about you, you know, when you're not around in a different way than they would if they were in front of you. And um, there's a very strict warning against those in the church that are um, sowing discord amongst the brethren. It's a very dangerous thing. Um the Bible does have ways for people to deal with their difficulties with other people, but it's quietly. It's between you and the Lord. Um, it's through prayer. It's through humility. It's through a lot of different ways, but the one way it's not acceptable is for you to, you know, for a person to begin to grab other people and listen to me about this person or listen to me about that person. That's completely inappropriate and not and and uncalled for. Um, and so what David is concerned with is, as he's, as he's a king, as he's a leader, um, every one of his decisions is going to affect, in, in a negative way, one-third of the people more than likely, you know, if not half. Um, you can please some of the people some of the time, but you can't please all of the people all the time. And so he's dealing with these things. And this is how he deals with these things, as he writes these things down to God. It's a prayer to God. He says, God, you know, how long are men going to look to bring me down? Why do they want to do this? Um, Why do you want to turn my glory into shame? You know, David never wanted or desired or sought for the office of being king. He was happy and content and very good at being a shepherd of sheep so much so that they could leave this young man completely out alone with all the flocks while his other brothers came in to see which one of them was going to be anointed King by this prophet that came to their house. And it ended up being none of these older boys, but it was the one out there who wouldn't leave the sheep. And that was appealing to God right or wrong, or his personality aside makes no difference. We really don't have an understanding of David's personality. Sometimes we can see his actions and kind of wonder what kind of person he was, but, um, and there's a lot of questionable things that he did in his life. But for the most part, he just went on God's road. You want me to stay with the sheep? Stay with the sheep. You want me to take bread and cheese up to my brothers who are on the war front? I'll take bread and cheese up to the, my brothers on the war front. I got a little curious up there and wanted to know why everybody was, you know, not taking down this big Philistine who's mouthing off in the middle of the field. And his brothers got, gave him a hard time. He says, there was character there that came out as his brothers tried to make him feel small for wanting to do God's will. And when it came to choose between now, there was a moment with the sheep where David said, I don't have a problem staying out here with the sheep. Go ahead, go see the prophet. Tell me what he says, you know, that I don't mind when you diminish me, but the problem was you're diminishing God on the battlefield. And that's when he had a problem and stuck up for the Lord, not for himself says, no, what I'm saying about this uncircumcised Philistine out here, that someone needs to take his head off, that's biblical. That's godly. Our God is a God of war, and this guy should not be saying these things unanswered. And that offended people, because they were the ones that were supposed to be answering. And so this little spitfire comes in, who loves the Lord, not himself, and says, I'll do it. And Saul's like, who said that? And this is a very This is not exactly how the story went, but it's it's the synopsis anyway. It's a brief overview. They brought David into the king, King Saul. And Saul's like, oh, yeah. Well, give him my armor at least. I mean, I hate to send the kid out there, you know, in a loincloth and a slingshot. So they put all of Saul's armor on because that's what you do when you go fight the enemy. Everybody knows it. And David put it on willingly. Sure, thanks. Appreciate it. But he couldn't move. Like, you know what? I'm little. He's big. I'm just a. I'm going to be a tent peg with this guy. He's just going to drive me into the ground if I stand here too long and I got to move. I got to be fleet of foot. I got to get rid of this. This is Saul's armor. I got to take this off. I know that traditionally this is what warriors have worn, but in this kind of battle, it needs to be done differently. There's a whole Bible study there all by itself. Saul's armor. It can come into lots of different forms in our lives. So he takes off Saul's armor and he goes out there and he wins and he And he wins in a spectacular way. We all know the story. This circumcision, yeah, you come at me with a stick and with a spear. I'm going to wipe the ground with you, basically what the Philistine says. And he doesn't respond with, oh, yeah, well, I'm fleet of foot and fast, and you're not going to be able to see me because I'm going to float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Not what he says. That's what a prideful, arrogant man says. What a humble man says is, Basically, you're probably right. If it wasn't for my God who's with me, I'm going to take you out because God sent me and I'm on God's errand. You're done. And David knew it and ran at the Philistine. Wasn't like this. Wasn't backing up. Ran at him. Picked up a stone. Just bam, drops him right in the forehead. Sunk it into his forehead. A good shot. Later on, he cuts off the guy's head with his own sword and so on. David, Never asked for this, but through his actions of serving the Lord and God watching, watching sheep, not afraid of the enemy, trusts in me for his strength, not at his own abilities, willing to stand up for me when the brothers wouldn't stand up for me. God watching all these things, the beauty of his worship that he learned to do out by himself. Who worships by themselves, but someone who's a true worshiper. And God watches all this and said, this is a man who can watch my people. This is a man who I can trust with sheep. Despite his Bathsheba incident, besides his uh, maybe at one point joining the Philistines, we're not so sure what that whole thing was about, faking to be crazy man as he's running from Saul. I mean, he's got some issues that kind of pop up for different reasons, and we'll hit those when we get to them. But the problem here that people don't understand here in verse 2 is that God's called David to do this as he is, who he is. And that's the problem. They don't like it. Why do you seek to you know, destroy my glory and turn it into shame? How long do you love worthlessness? Why are you looking for me to fail? I'm here to watch over you as a shepherd. Why would you want me to fail? Why is that exciting to you? Why are you praying for that? You know, And he knows this. He hears this. And seek falsehood. Verse 3. This is where he switches gears. That's what they're doing. Here's what I'm doing. But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. He ends up with the Lord, you know, in this worship. My problem is this, I'm getting tired of everybody looking to bring me down. Why Why are they cheering for failure when I'm only here to help? And then... He gets to the Lord and says, I know what your advice is for them. Your advice is for them to sit still, to rest, to meditate, um, to have that peace. I know I have it, he says. And when I lay down at night, I can sleep peacefully because I know that my safety comes from you. David always was willing to give up the throne. He was like every other man of God that was ever called by God. Every one of them. Moses. They're your people, God. God says, no, they're your people. Okay. And even Korah shows up. He says, Korah, fine. You stand over there, I'll stand over here. Let's just see who God wants. And and I wonder if half-heartedly Moses is like, please pick Korah, you know. Just once, let someone else be chosen here. I don't think that's the case, but I think Moses took his calling honorably and respectfully. And left it in God's hands. My calling was from God and remains in God's hands. He can remove the calling anytime. He can can set somebody else up. David knew that. He had a man named Saul who was king, the first king of Israel. David's the replacement because Saul got fleshy. He understands, David, already that I am taking the place of the first. David was always willing to set it down. So important that we stay that way in our hearts. It's hard to be um, a leader in the home or a leader in your business or a leader with your friends or a leader in any way, shape, or form. It is difficult. It draws attention. It draws fire. Um, but as long as you're always willing to be humble and say, yeah, but I don't have to lead. Anybody else can do it anytime they want this. You know, As long as God chooses them, that's the point. It isn't a matter of voting or something. It's who God chooses. David's like, take it. He ran away. Absalom rises up to take his kingdom. He leaves his throne, David does, and runs away. And Absalom could just take it. But instead goes and chases David down because it's not God's will. Absalom is not the chosen one of the Lord. David still is, but was willing. If God wants me on the throne, he'll put me back on the throne. If not, Absalom can have it. I'm just trying to live, you know, just trying to eat. Psalm 5. To the chief musician with flutes, I want flutes on this, not stringed instruments, a prayer for guidance. Give ear to my word, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I will pray. So That's his greeting to the Lord. Please listen, please listen. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning, I will direct it to you and I will look up. The first place I'm going to do, when I get in the morning and when I wake up, I'm going to look up to you. I'm going to get my eyes on you first before I look at anything horizontally. I'm going to make sure my eyes are on you, Jesus. In the morning, I will direct it to you and I will look up. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood the Lord of horrors, the bloodthirsty, and the deceitful man. Now, why does he go through that list? Because as a king, you're the judge. Before I step out of my bedchamber, before I step into my kingly robes, before I take my responsibilities on this day with the scepter and the throne, I have to remember what my job is. And my job is to reflect you correctly. And here's who you are, God, the one who hired me to do this. I have to remember that you don't like wickedness. So when I judge, I need to judge against wickedness. I know that you're not boastful. I know that they're not going to stand. And so the boastful need to be put down. You hate all workers of iniquity, not happy with those who choose that lifestyle. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. Liars, they're in trouble in my court. You abhor the bloodthirsty and the deceitful man. So he's watching for these people as they come up, present their cases. And what the people don't realize is as as they're presenting their cases, God is giving David wisdom by the Holy Spirit. And he's able to choose exactly. I'm going to choose God's way today, every single case. That's a great way to start our day, obviously with the Lord. As we seek the Lord and remember all the things that he hates, Because sometimes it's easy to forget because we're so inundated with it. I mean, think about a judge's position. He puts on the black robe. He comes in, hear ye, hear ye, and he sits down. Please be seated. They all sit down and here he goes. And his day is listening for the most part to the worst of everybody's lives. All day. It's like a police officer. I mean... You may wave at them and they may wave at you once in a while, but if you encounter a police officer, it's because you're on your worst behavior at that point, usually, or something bad has happened. A cop's job is to encounter people at their worst, you know, all day long. It's very important that as believers, we understand that as ambassadors for Christ here on earth, we have a calling. And my calling is not to side with the world and any of these attributes that we just listed. Not to be like them, first of all, but not to side with them either. Not to ignore them. David can't. For the most part, we could probably slip through a day without getting involved. We can just make sure we didn't sin today and then go to bed and be like, man, that was a good day. Didn't sin. But did you affect anybody? See, David saw a personal responsibility to make sure that if I saw it, if I see something, not only do I say something, I do something. That's our phrase in America. see something, say something, right? That was for after nine 11. That was our big phrase. See something, say something. Well, David takes a step further because he has the authority to do so. See something, do something, you know, and that's to always side with God. And I won't know what side to be on with God unless I know how God feels about these things and accept them in my heart. See, when you take on this role there's a, this is a step further than just knowing what sin is and what sin isn't. When you begin to do and act upon these things and prevent and help other people that find themselves succumbing to these things, you all of a sudden, it's a much deeper walk with the Lord other than just pointing it out. You know that they shouldn't do that. That's one level of Christianity. You shouldn't do that. It's a whole nother thing to walk over there. You know, how many times us Midwesterners are like, if I was on that subway in New York and I saw that going down, oh man, that had turned out a lot different. I, I, all the men in this room, every one of you, every one of you, it's just built into us and women. The women are like, like "What? we'd shoot them too. I, under- <laughs> I know where I'm at. I know who, I'm, who my crowd is here. <laughs> we just read these things and we're, in we're like, you mean they all just sat there and kept reading the paper or moved to a different car while this was taking place on the subway? Why didn't anybody, there were 10 other people in the car. I don't care how strong the person is, you know, they'd be in trouble. That's because we want to do. And that's a great attribute, by the way. That's a wonderful, wonderful attribute to have, to to want to help, to want to be involved, to want to stop. Earlier on, he says, be angry, but don't sin about it. It's okay to have righteous indignation and to act on things, but just don't sin in the process. The centurion, when he said, you know, hey, I got saved. What am I supposed to do now? I mean, we kind of kill people for a living, you know? He says, just don't go beyond your duties. Don't don't take bribes and, and don't extort people like a lot of your buddies do. Now that you're a believer, be a centurion, but be a good one, you know, kind of thing. Well, that's the case with Christianity. We We can... It's easy to spot sin in other people's lives. It's a whole other thing to take action, to feel the responsibility to do something about it. David does. That's why he's gone through this list. Verse 7, But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. I don't expect other people to go worship without seeing me worship first. As a king, I'm going to be the first one in the house of the Lord. And I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to worship you, and I'm going to face you in your holy temple. And I want you to lead me in righteousness, just like I want everybody else and tell everybody else to be led in righteousness. Please make your way straight before my face. He understands. We can sometimes not see it. You know, put it right in front of me, God. I mean, I don't want to see anything other than your will in my life because he knows our tendency, you know, we look everywhere, but where we're supposed to. And David just says it out loud for us. Please just make your way. And what's beautiful about this is some of the prayers that you prayed as we go through these Psalms, the the ones that you made up on your own things that just came out of your own heart, you know, that you just cried out to God, you're going to read them. And what that's going to do, I hope for you is to bring you some confidence. That you're being led by the same Holy Spirit that David was being led by. That you're in good company. You're in David's company or whoever the writer of the psalm is. You're in good company. When you prayed those things, that's a supernatural connection from a thousand years ago. You know, the same spirit that was moving David to pray that prayer is the same spirit that's moving you. And it brings everything, makes everything a little smaller, closer, you know, to the Lord, more real but also b- builds confidence in the fact that I do hear from God. You know, Hey, I prayed that. And I didn't even know that was in the Bible, which is a whole other story. I should probably read the Bible more. You know, you can you cheat yourself out for not knowing that, but it's kind of fun when you read stuff. You're like, Hey, I didn't know that was in the Bible. And I do that. Yes. You know, that's one of those encouraging times in scripture. And hopefully we get a lot of those as we go through this. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. They're, Um, I want to make, make your way straight before me. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty. O God, let them fall by their own counsels, cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions for they have rebelled against you. That's his heart. Who's he talking about? People before, they're saying these things, they're evil, they're haters, they're speaking falsehoods, they're bloodthirsty, they're deceitful, not me, I want your way straight before me, I'm going to come worship you, because I don't want to be like them, because their faithlessness, um, uh, their their faithfulness is bad, there's no, there's nothing in their mouth that's that's consistent. Um, um, they flatter me, but they backbite, uh, you know, when I'm not around, it's like, ugh. Um, good cop, bad cop kind of thing. You know, it's horrible. I know that's usually two people, but sometimes they can be the same person, you know. And he's just tired of it. He goes, would you just take care of them, Lord? Would you take care of them? Get them. I want you to pronounce them guilty. And I pray that their own counsel, that they're either trying to convince me to do or they're convincing other people to do against me. I pray they'd fall into their own trap is basically what he's saying. I hope it comes back to bite them. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. It's not about me, David says. It's about the fact that they're going against what you're doing. You know, that was the whole core rebellion thing anyway. They were upset. And, and, and I, don't know that, I don't know that anybody ever understood Moses. Um, as you read the story, I don't know that ever, every, anybody ever stood up and said, oh, we understand now. It was, it was constant for him his whole life. But from the moment that he was called, there was always this idea that, I don't know. Everybody was, I don't know. Moses, you know, even from the first time when he killed the Egyptian, because he thought he was doing everybody a favor. The Egyptian was beating his brother, and the, you know, this, this Israelite, and he kills the Egyptian. And the guy, you know, yeah, you know, awesome. It's begun. You know, the rebellion, the, the release of it, it's begun. Not really. Because then he found two other guys arguing. They were fine with you killing Egyptians, kind of. But when the two Israelites were fighting and he came to break them up, they didn't like that at all. You're going to kill us? You're going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? Ooh. Well, people turn, you know. We love it when you're killing that guy. Don't tell me what to do, you know, kind of thing. It's kind of my job. I'm the leader. If you're doing something wrong, you're doing something wrong. I don't get to pick and choose who I tell is doing something wrong. So, then you got this core rebellion where eventually um, we can do this too. Moses is like, I know you can do that. Nobody ever said you couldn't do this. I, I know that you can all prophesy. I know that you can all do that. I know we're all following the same pillar, of fire, and the smoke. I know all that. God chose me. I had this burning bush. What was I supposed to do? I tried to pass it off to somebody else, and all he did was give me Aaron. He said, no, you're still going to do it, but I don't want to do this. I'm 80. You know, I don't talk right. I got an accent and it's been a long time since I've been, you know, eh, I tried that whole thing. Do it anyway. Of course, like we can do this. I bet you can. Let's just maybe, you know, kind of thing. Of course you can. It's not that David has it right here. They've rebelled against you. When we rebel against the leadership of God, we're rebelling against God. It's not the leadership. We, you know, David makes lots of mistakes. That's not the issue. So would the next guy. So did Saul. So did the other guys that ever become kings. Read Judges. My goodness. Up and down, up and down. Every man fails. It's not that. David has it right here. They've rebelled against you. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you, not in man. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him um, as with a shield. God will take care of you if you just focus on him and, and his righteousness. If you walk the walk that you're supposed to walk with him, God takes care of you. Even if you have a Saul over you, God takes care of you. Even if you have an Absalom over you, God takes care of you. But especially if you have a David over you, God takes care of you. Very important. Um, our next one, Psalm 6, and our last one for this morning. Oh, it's kind of quick. Well, we'll see how it goes here. To the chief... I never know how fast these will go because they're kind of short and long and short and long and never know. But And, and I have notes, but mm, maybe we'll do seven. To the chief musician with stringed instruments on the eight-stringed harp. Not the seven, not the nine-stringed harp, the eight. I'm kidding. I don't really know. But well, he's very specific on this one now this one's going to sound great on the eight string, okay, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak, O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled, my soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long return, O Lord, deliver me, oh, save me for your mercy's sake, for in death there is no remembrance of you. In the grave, who will give you thanks? David's in a tough spot right now. He's in distress. Physically, probably, but also the same distresses he's been writing about in four and five. Tired of people, not liking him, sick. You know, he's going to be swimming in his own sweat here. It's, It's really taking a toll on David. And so what David does is he writes a song. Hey, if you're rebuking me, don't do it when you're angry or you're hot. Why don't you cool off a little bit and then come back and talk to me? He had that kind of relationship with God where he could write a song like that. Don't, don't, don't! I need mercy. I'm asking for mercy. I want you to heal my, for my bones are troubled, um, my soul also is greatly troubled. So it is. It's probably both. It's both a physical sickness and it's also um, emotional that he's going through. How long? How long am I going to be like this? I don't know how much longer I can take it. Return, O oh Lord, and deliver me. Save me for Your mercy's sake. Um, if I die. Now, who's going to give you thanks? I don't know if that's a joke or if he's, if he's just saying that, honestly. It's like, isn't it better that I'm alive and healthy so that I can praise you, you know, kind of thing. Um, verse 6, I am weary with my groanings. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. So there's pain, your body's reacting, and he's also emotionally broken. My eyes, or my eye, wastes away because of grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. Um, there's a lot going on. I think that's I, you know I, I see that a lot and it's coming up more and more in in society, not just in Christianity, but I think it's a truth. So it's one of those things I think lines up with Scripture. Is I think everybody's got a lot going on. Everybody does, um, and we're moving away from it. Seems like that phase we went through this. I don't know how the, how to describe it, but uh, some of those TV shows that, that capitalize upon, you know, family members fighting on stage and stuff. I don't know what they're called. I don't know the name of them, but they're out there. I, um, we, I used to watch prices right now kids go home and they watch some show where people are pulling each other's hair and stuff like that. Um, I don't even know what they're called. We don't have that kind of stuff at our house, but anyway, um, we're moving away from that selfishness that shows up on those stages where it's about my hurt. It's about me. It's about, uh, I wish everybody would know what I'm going through. And I think we're moving to a better place in, in some ways. I don't know why the pendulum's swinging for whatever reason, but I think it's a good thing. When we begin to think of others. I mean, it's biblical consider others higher than yourself. And so when you get to that place where society is saying, you know what? Everybody's going through a lot of stuff, not just you, you know, Everybody, some people are hiding it better. Some people are dealing with it better. Maybe so we are to bear one another's burdens, of course. Um, But it's always important to remember that you can't get to that place where how come nobody's helping me or being my, you know, lifter of arms when they're like, I can't even hold my arms up right now. My own arms, let alone your arms too. Let's all go to, well, the whole point is let's all go to God and let him lift our arms up. But it's a good place. And, And I think, David is in that place. Um, I got a lot going on here. I'm crying because of my grief and I've got a lot of enemies, but also I'm not, I'm not feeling the best. And I think it does. I think emotionally and spiritually things as you get attacked, um, it does take a toll on you physically. It really does. I think some who have gone through a loss, a grief, a grieving process, you know, a, a death of a family member or something. Um, I think that grief, enough of it, can actually produce physical problems. I really do. Um, It's just part of it. And I think that's what we're seeing here with David. I don't know what he's grieving or if it's that, if it's just constant spiritual warfare uh, or what, but he's to the point now where his body's reacting to it as well. Verse eight, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. Basically, that's watch out. God's heard what I just prayed. So his main concern is the spiritual attack. And I have lifted up my prayers to the Lord to ask him to give me mercy and to take care of my enemies. And so my enemies better watch out because God's heard me. You know, kind of thing. He had that kind of confidence, that kind of relationship. Uh, Truly trusting that God would um, deal with these things. Psalm 7. Prayer and praise for deliverance from the enemies. Again, a meditation of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning the words of Cush the Benjamite. Um, That's an interesting um, story. O Lord, my God, in you I put my trust. Save me from all those who persecute me and deliver me. Lest they tear me like a lion, rending me in pieces while there is none to deliver. O oh Lord, my God, if I have done this, if there is iniquity in my hands, if I have repaid evil to him who is at peace with me, or have plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue me and overtake me, and let, the, let him trample my life to the earth, and lay my honor in the dust. That's a wonderful follow-up prayer to all that. Of the first three prayers, the first three songs, get him, get him, get him. And by the way, if I'm wrong, David says, Get me. Deliver me if they're wrong. If I'm not wrong, I'll lay down and let it happen. It's a wonderful prayer. That's his humility showing up here. That's his heart. He doesn't think he's done anything wrong. Like Job, as we went through the book of Job, Job's like, I can't think of anything I've done to deserve this. I'm not mad at God. I don't know what to say to him at all. I don't understand it. I wish he'd show up and tell me what it is that I've done wrong about him. But I can't think of anything. I can't repent of something I don't know that I've done wrong. That's basically Job's heart. David is in that place. He's like, look, I don't think I've done anything wrong. I don't think I've said anything to them, hurt them in any way. But for some reason, they're out to get me. I don't understand it. If I'm wrong, I'll lay down and let them trample me. Go for it. Trample me down. If not... Would you deliver me from these people? Deliver me. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up because of the rage of my enemies. Rise up for me, for me to the judgment you have commanded. So the congregation of the peoples shall surround you. For their sake, therefore, return on high. The Lord shall judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. He's a king, he's in this constantly, constantly at odds with evil. Um, Again, the best example is a police officer. It's, 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 People are constantly on edge around him because they know what he represents. A police officer represents law and order. And if I want to be lawless and I want to be disorderly, the cop always represents an obstacle to me doing what I want to do. David is a righteous king of Israel who won't take bribes, who wants to do God's will all the time, is a pain in the neck to those who don't want that in a king. I want you to be like everybody else. I want you to succumb to my charm. I want you to listen to my bribery and my case. And I want you to give me favor because wink, wink, we're buddies. You know, David won't do that. So David is at this constant place of, look, I've got to judge this nation. I've got to lead this nation. I've got to do what God's called me to do here. And he's getting tired. You can hear it. It's just this constant And it's not good for the people if they win, is what he just finished off saying there. If they win and I fail and I fall away, the next guy behind me, Absalom, is not going to be a blessing to the people, but they don't know it. It was better that they never had a king. It was better that they had never asked God to give them a king like all the other nations, but they did, so God gave them Saul. Saul was okay for a while until he wasn't okay. He was filled with the spirit a couple times and he did things that were noble and honorable until they weren't anymore. And he got a big head. He was fine when he was hiding from being, you know, having the crown put on his head. That's a great place to be and should have stayed there his entire kingdom in the sense that I'm humble and I don't deserve this. But eventually he liked it to the point where I'm not going to go out there and fight Goliath. I mean, if I die, what are you guys going to do when he should have been the first one out there to do it? You know, So God gave him David. David understands this. I am trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to worship you. It's not about me saving my life. It's about what happens if I get taken out by these enemies. Because they're not only, if they're an enemy of righteousness, they're an enemy of the people. Flat out. And he knows that. So God, please step back into the courtroom. Step back into your position, he says, of being a judge. And wipe these guys out. Take them out for the sake of everybody else. For the sake of the, the country. Verse nine, oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just for the righteous God tests the hearts and minds. My defense is of God who saves the upright in heart. God is a judge or is a just judge and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he does not turn back, he will sharpen his sword. He bends his bow and makes it ready. He also prepares for himself instruments of death. He makes his arrows into fiery shafts. I know that my God is capable of all these things. Why he's hesitating. Why it feels like we're losing, David would say. That seems to be his implication. He's like, I don't know when he's going to step in. But when he does, we better watch out, all you wickedness, because there's going to come a time. And God does that. Sometimes he steps right in and takes care of things. Other times he waits, it seems like. I've always tried to figure that out with the presidential races and our, and our politicians, you know. I've always chalked it up to, well, the people are getting what they've asked for. If we ask for a Saul, we're going to get a Saul. If we ask for a David, he'll give us a David, you know. I've always relied upon that. Um, not a lot of Davids out there anymore, you know. And, I'll, and I won't be on my soapbox long here, but I am, I'm going to step up, and this isn't going to make a lot of people happy. Um, but I want the brightest and the smartest people to be in the Senate and Congress and our presidents. I want them to be geniuses. I want them to have IQs that are unbelievable. I want them to have a walk with the Lord first and foremost, but I want them to be super smart, and I want them to be paid really, really, really well. And a lot of people aren't for that. I mean, I understand it's, a, it's, a, it's an office, it's a, it's a, a serving, um, but you can only serve for so long at a loss personally. And that's when term limits would probably prevent or just institute themselves in someone's life. He's like, I, I can't be a senator anymore. I'm losing money here. You know, I just can't do it anymore. I can only do eight years. I've got to step out. I can only do six years. I got to step out. I can only do 12 years. Maybe I can withstand two, but I got to get out of here. Um, but this whole idea we need to take all their money. We need to put term limits on them. We, that's just because we're mad at who's there and what they're doing right now. Um, we don't want a brain drain. We don't want someone that's happy with how much? $45,000? Sweet. Way better than McDonald's. No, 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 no offense, but I want folks that are brilliant up there, you know, I think we need to think about that, um, and how do you get the best and the brightest in those positions, and those who love the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, which is obviously primary? Um, anyway, David's got it all and I think we should expect that. it's just that there's just few and far between of these Davids out there, and so. I don't know why it's happening. And I don't think David understands why it's happening. Our nation is a nation who loves you, Lord. And you've called us your people. How come the wicked seem to be like a a tidal wave right now? You know, Um, when are you going to step in and push this back and and establish the righteous people? You establish them. Let these other guys smash themselves upon the rocks, like a wave and go back to the sea where they belong. But we want to establish ourselves as righteous. Well, I think David is a little rosy in his thinking because I don't know that all of Israel is as excited as he is about being righteous with God. Um, so I think what he's feeling and experiencing is a, a spiritual temperature change in Israel. We, we, we love you, David. You were great when you killed someone that was going to hurt us like a big, tall Philistine. We like it when you kill the Egyptians. But when you start judging righteously amongst us, that's when we look at you and say, who made you, you know, kind of thing. I think he's feeling that. Verse 14. Behold, the wicked bring forth iniquity. Yes, he conceives trouble and brings forth falsehood. He made a pit and dug it out, which has fallen into the ditch which he made, and has fallen into the ditch which he made. His trouble shall return upon his own head and his violent dealing shall come down on his crown or his, his own crown. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. I will sing praise to his name um, of the Lord most high. And I, I think if you want to grab a, a good understanding, you do need to read um, about uh, Cush um, and his, um, his thoughts there and what happened there. Anyway, we can do that another time. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these Psalms of David, his heart. Um, thank you for hearing him. Thank you for the promise of hearing our songs of our heart, our our prayers that come from way down deep. And to know that you hear us, um, help us to walk in righteousness like David did. I want to be that kind of person. I don't want to be like Saul who cries out to you. I don't want to be like Absalom who cries out to you. I want to be like David who cries out to you. I want to have my own walk with you solid. I want to be content being out with the sheep, just worshiping you and doing my job and taking care of, um, flock, you know. Um, I also, though, will accept any calling you have for me, any responsibilities you want to add to that, um, any troubles that come along our path, whether that's a, 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 a Philistine in the middle of the field or a funny confrontation on a subway car uh, or something even here in the midst of our workplaces or in our, our streets of Maryville and the towns that we're from, that we'd step up and do something that's righteous and not just see something, say something, but we'd be doers. Um, I thank you for all the people in our fellowship that, have, um, that are on city council, that are considering school board runs, that are considering doing things at a, at a loss, at a sacrifice to their own lives to do something biblical, right. Uh, I, I'm very happy about that, Lord. And I pray for all of us. Um, Lord, that we would all see those opportunities that you put in each one of our lives and that we'd follow through on those things to to be doers of your word, not just those that can point it out, but that we do. Um, So Lord, help us to see those things in our lives individually. Uh, We've all got a lot going on, but we can all pray to you. We can all seek your face and still serve our fellow man. Help us to do that, Lord. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer before you go, please come up. Be glad to pray with you.